0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand with me, if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up. Cup your hand. Do something say this is my Bible I am what it says I am I have what it says I have I can do what the Bible says I can do today I'll be taught the Word of God and I boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive and I will never be the same again never 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 in Jesus name amen you may be seated well welcome uh, I'm going to do my annual I hate the fair moment. I hate the fair. Okay, now I'm done. Uh, It's just always amazing to me that we invite people from out of town to come and take all the money we have out of town. It's an incredible thing. So today, we're going to talk about maturing, which is something I'm working on, especially this time of year when it comes to this. And so uh, you heard me say last month a lot, I talked a lot about people who say I'm a mature Christian, mature Christians scare me because it implies that I have arrived I have you know I'm here I'm where I need to be I'm the person I need to be when in reality we're all becoming and we will always be becoming it's said that uh, when a man is wrong and he says I'm sorry that's honesty when a man is not sure if he's right or wrong and he says I'm sorry that's called wise when a man knows he's right and says I'm sorry he's called a husband in other words we all make mistakes saying I'm sorry is a part of the process that will go on the rest of our lives and that we need to in the process of maturing realize that being right is overrated And letting other people know you're right is way overrated, and that making a mistake is one of the greatest opportunities we have to grow. Now, in front of me, this is pretty interesting. Uh, I bought these bananas yesterday, and these were a lot greener. But overnight, they began to get more yellow. The idea is that a green banana is not ready yet. It's still a banana in every way, shape, form, and fashion. You could look at it and you'd say, yeah, it's a banana, but it's not ready yet. What happens is, over just over a very brief period of time, a banana gets yellow. And I don't know if this is true, but I've been told if you leave them in a bunch, they get even darker yellow yellow quicker. They get riper quicker. Now, there's nothing wrong with growing and becoming a, a, a more yellow banana, but at some point, that banana is going to be rotten. It's going to get dark. It's not going to be edible. So the idea of Christianity, to me, is as much as we possibly can, though we become ripened in understanding of the things of God, we must never lose the greenness in our lives of saying, I am becoming. I want to be a green banana the rest of my life. And the Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 4, 1 6, and you guys have heard me quote this numerous times He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, I'm never going to stop growing. And what happens oftentimes is we are so desperate to be right or to present ourselves to people in a way that they would respect us and our faith and our walk with God that we begin to expect people to. Uh, respect us based on how we perceive ourselves or how we present ourselves better yet and so the reality is the the person who's still maturing has no problem apologizing has no insecurities about making mistakes because the great challenge is if you're an a type personality you have to convince yourself that you don't make mistakes and And because you can't deal with them yourself, it's not that other people couldn't deal with them. you can't deal with them. You want to be perfect all the time and it's nothing wrong with living our best life and doing our very best. but the reality is many people quit after a few mistakes, and they don't keep going and they don't keep growing because you're so mad at yourself you you think that you ought to be perfect and and, you know, really what that says is, I don't trust the cross. I don't trust the grace of God or the forgiveness of God. I want God to be impressed with how good I am. And, and this is a danger in, in all lives. It just presents itself differently. In Hebrews chapter 6, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible first. So, come on, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Saying, in other words, you don't have to really, you're, you're not looking constantly at the basic things, that basic doctrines of Christianity, such as, um, it says, turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God basic baptismal instructions laying on of hands resurrection of the dead eternal judgment God helping us will stay true to all that but there's so much more let's get on with it and so what happened generations ago with a church uh, which is really awesome was highly disciplined highly principled And and we, we continually pointed people to how they ought to act. And there's nothing wrong with that. The downside to that is, is we never taught people what to do when they didn't live up to how they thought they should act. The disciplines and the principles are necessary. But we have to go on in our growth process to help all of us understand that God knew that we would make mistakes, that we would sin or he wouldn't have sent Christ. He sent Christ knowing that we would be an ongoing work until the day that we die. I've heard more people over the years of ministry that I, I've served ministry say, I, I just, I can't do it. I, I, I keep trying. I, I, I go to church, I, I, but I, I still mess up. I still do things I don't want to do. Apostle Paul had the same problem. And, and so as a result uh they've given up because nobody took them to the next level saying these are foundational truths let me read it out the niv therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about christ and go on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith of faith in god And it says, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we'll do so. In other words, these are foundational truths, and many people never move beyond them. They're constantly trying to figure out whether they're saved or not saved. I don't know, when I first got saved, I prayed every night that I'd be saved. Because I didn't understand those were foundational principles that God said, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Religion says, if I tell people that, they will continue to be stupid. I don't have to tell people that. They're going to continue to be stupid anyway because that's our nature. We have a fallen nature. And it's not, a, it's not a free pass to keep sinning. It's just that we understand I am saved I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to live a life of hell on earth. God says, I want you to move beyond that. I want you to go into the process of maturing so that the things that are hurting you and hurting others no longer hurt you and hurt others because you understand you're saved, but now I have more for you in this life than you could imagine. Jesus, I've come, you might have life and have it more abundantly. The challenge really... I wish I could tell you going to heaven was really difficult, but according to what I read in the Bible, going to heaven is not the hard part. Getting heaven to be exercised in our life is the difficult part Of, of obeying God because we want to, not because we have to. Many people obey God, they think they have to in order to go to heaven. No, you need to in order to get heaven to earth, be it done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the challenge here is in the maturing process that that we have to be willing to acknowledge when we are not doing the things we should be doing in order to receive the things we should be receiving. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. It not only works in finances, it works in relationships. If you want somebody to be nice to you, be nice to them. Oftentimes in relationship, we look at somebody and say, well, this is how you treat me. I'm going to treat you the same way to show you how you're treating me. And if I show you how you're treating me, you'll stop treating me that way. No, no. You will both keep treating each other that way. And it works against both of you instead of one person saying, you may treat me that way, but I'm not going to treat you that way. And this is a hard task, trust me, because there are, all of us have blind spots, and sometimes when people talk to you in a certain way, they're snappy, uh, they, they, they give no fluff to what they're about to say, and, and before you know it, and, and they don't even realize they're doing it. Now, there's, I'm helping some marriages right now. Your spouse doesn't even realize that they're talking to you that way, so what you say is, the next time they do something stupid, you talk to them the same way, and they go, don't talk to me that way. I'm that's the way you talk to me. No, it's not the way I talk to you. But if you start talking to them the way you want to be talked to, there's a good chance they'll start talking to you the way you're talking to them. Come on, somebody, that right there. I just saved you like $150 counseling hour. Because everything in me, when somebody talks to me a certain way, I thought, well, what goes around comes around, Jack. That's our human nature. But according to Scripture, we're not to do that. Now, Romans 3.23, a Scripture you're all familiar with. Yes, all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious ideal. So, therein lies the hope for all of us. We all fall short of of the ideal that God has for us. Now, out of one translation, Philippians 1.6, I like how this reads. God is the one who began this good work in you. And I am certain that he won't stop before it is complete on the day of Christ Jesus' return. So, now, when I talk about uh, not being a mature Christian, I mean don't be a mature Christian. Because the minute you become a mature Christian, you have arrived and probably will stop growing. But when you say, I am a maturing Christian... You introduce people to the idea that we are going from glory to glory, from where we are to a better where we are. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Many people say, well, I've been a Christian for my whole life. I've been a Christian 60 years. I've been, I've been a, you know, I served in the church. I do all that. I don't really care. That is not, that is not who you are. That is what you do. And, and who you are is more important than what you do, your titles and all those things. And so sometimes we rely on those titles to uh, help ourselves be more respected by people that we want respect from. You'll win more people telling them your flaws than you will telling them your successes. When you start telling people that you're mature and all the things you've done, it actually drives them down. They feel worse about themselves because they look at your life, they compare their life, with your life, and let's face it, most of us are harder on ourselves than anybody else could be. So when somebody starts hearing you say, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday, which I, as a pastor, think you should, except when you're on vacation or break or something. But, you know, that's just a pastor. That's what we do. But if you tell people that and they make it once or twice a month, and now they're going to measure themselves against you. And they're going to come up short, and they're going to say, it's not even worth trying. And so rather than saying, you know, I do my best, I'm in the process, I'm, 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 a, you know, I'm a work in progress, I, that's who I am. That's who we all are. When we do that, it gives other people an opportunity to understand that we're all just doing our best. Now, this doesn't work for people who are somewhat arrogant and want to be number one at everything. And if that's you, this is, you're not going to like this message at all because what I'm telling you is you're no better than anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. And just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean a squat thing when we get ready to go to heaven. This is just what I'm called to do. This is my position in life. And, and I am a work in progress. Ask my wife. I am working, and I am wanting to get better, not to impress God and not to impress her, but to experience God in a way that I cannot experience God if I think I've arrived. And it's so important. Now, one of the ways you can tell, and this is important. This is just practical knowledge. When you are always talking about yourself, That is an indication that you're insecure with who you are, and people don't like that. Ask yourself the question, this is going to help some relationships and it's going to destroy others. When you are with somebody and all they do is talk about themselves and tell you everything about them but never ask you anything about you, that is not a good relationship. If all somebody does, this tells me they're not maturing They're trying to convince you that they are mature. It's all about me. And so we make it a policy that if I'm talking to somebody, I'm going to ask them a lot about themselves. What about your family? How are they doing? What's going on? It it, it lets them know you care. And and this is all a part of that maturing process. Immature people who refuse to, to grow are only secure in the knowledge they possess or perspective they possess of themselves. And our perspective of ourselves is often wrong. We have blind spots. I realized some years ago that, that I, I, I have a tendency in my personality type to be very pointed in my conversation, very pointed. It's not intentional, it's not to demean anyone, but I've had to realize I have to soften that. I'm growing, I wanna grow. I wanna be a lot more uh, aware. And, and really, this is all about being aware And people will point out your mistakes. One day, Albert Einstein wrote on the blackboard 9 times 1 equals 9. 9 times 2 equals 18. 9 times 3 equals 27. 9 times 4 equals 36. 9 times 5 equals 45. 9 times 6 equals 54. 9 times 7 equals 63. 9 times 8 equals 72. 9 times 9 equals 81. 9 times 10 equals 91. In class, they mocked him, one of the most brilliant men to ever live, and made fun of him because he had made a mistake as the correct answer for 9 times 10 is obviously 90. Albert Einstein waited for everyone to shut up and said, despite me answering the first nine questions correctly, no one congratulated me. Instead, when I got one wrong everyone started laughing. This means that despite being very successful, society will only notice the smallest mistake and make fun of it. Don't let simple criticism destroy your dreams. So if your goal in life every day is to wake up and not make a mistake or have no flaws, you're going to be a miserable human being. If you can get up every day and enjoy life and realize you're going to make a mistake or two and it's going to be okay when somebody laughs at you or criticizes you just laugh with them this is what maturing does because when we're young we are shamed when we were young we and maybe some of you weren't but when when i was young you you literally you felt shame when anybody knew that you did something wrong or said something wrong multiplied something wrong and so, we're, we're, we're growing up focusing on our perfection instead of growing up and focusing on God's grace. God understands that every one of us are flawed. It doesn't matter. The smartest human being on earth can make a mistake, and when he makes a mistake or she makes a mistake, people are quick to point it out, and that is a sad tragedy you know, how many times do we look, and, and I try to do this in, in restaurants, wherever, just to be very complimentary or find something the server did right, even if everything went wrong. I don't tip based on how they treated me. I tip because it's the right thing to do. You say, well, they don't deserve it. You know what? They know they don't deserve it. But when you do something right, and they're doing something wrong, trust me, the right will stand out. I hear people say, well, I'm not tipping them. They were a sorry server, and they will stay a sorry server until somebody like you helps them believe they don't have to be sorry. Now, I just irritated a few people. By the way, those of you watching online right now, type your name, tell us where you're watching from. Would you do that for me right now? Just just put it in there because we're trying to figure out who you are. You can see me, but I can't see you, but the day's going to come. I can, and you'll have to get out of bed. All right, now, David Glass, the chief executive officer of the exceptionally well-managed Walmart stores, when asked whom he most admired, responded, Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. He went on to note, there's never been a day in his life since I've known him that he didn't improve in some way. We all look at Walmart. Walmarts are everywhere. I mean, they're in, you know, in the smallest towns everywhere. And, and we just kind of take it for granted thinking, wow, this just happened. But we never or rarely ever ask, how did it happen? What were the steps that the founder took to create this empire? And this guy just explained he never knew a day that Sam did not try to get better we live in a day where we're not trying to get better we're trying to convince other people that we are better we're trying to say i am mature i have arrived you should respect me instead of saying you know what i'm gonna fall down but when i do i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna do better next time i'm not gonna trip over the same door jam over the same rock over the curb i'm not tripping again over that doesn't mean I won't but I'm just going to try to get better at not doing things that are harmful to me and by the same token I'm gonna quit doing things that are harmful to other people this is a person who says I'm maturing when I was a youth pastor had a thousand kids in my youth group can you imagine a thousand teenagers no I can't imagine it today I cannot believe it and so out of all these kids you had parents who thought their kids were perfect you had parents who wanted their kids to be perfect, and I had their kids every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and I knew they weren't perfect. And so, without fail, every week, I was meeting with parents who were having trouble with their kids at school, trouble with their kids at home, trouble getting their kids to obey. They would sit across the desk from me, and they would look at me, and they would say these words, my child does not respect me and bless god they ought to respect me and i took the risk of asking what are you doing to gain their respect really made them mad well i'm their mom i'm their dad i know what the bible says i said so do i but if you don't show them your humanity if if you're just expecting them to march Uh, according to the beat of your drum without telling them the song you're playing and why you're playing it, you're going to be in trouble because they don't understand. You're just just playing the I'm your mom and dad card. And I know what the Bible says, but I know what Jesus did. And he didn't come to earth and say, you will respect me. I'm the son of God. Do you get it? He came and demonstrated the life and love of God which created an immediate respect for most and still to this day, thousands of years, thousands of years. People still, because of how he lived his life, he didn't mandate that respect. He showed us how to live a life that would draw people along with us as we were all growing in God. The greatest thing I would tell a parent today, the greatest thing you can do is look at your child and say, Mommy and Daddy make mistakes, and I'm Sorry. And and that will start getting you the respect you desire from your children. But the minute you start telling them what to do and when they don't do it, you make sure they don't. You embarrass them. You shame them. They will never respect you. They will leave at 18, which is what some of you want. (laughs) I want them to leave for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. I want to show them how to get a job and how to work hard and how to make their own money and inspire them instead of shame them to get out of the house. Granted, we all want them out of the house, especially in a day where there isn't recession that is recession. (laughs) We've come up with a new definition. Maturity, according to one lady, is the ability to do a job, whether or not you are supervised, to carry money without spending it and to hear an injustice without wanting to get even. This is a sign of maturing. The ability to do, do a job without somebody looking over your shoulder, to do right without somebody mandating that you do right. You know, you can get by, and, and this is, I, every now and then I have these issues. I, not every now and then, every day. You, you know, you can get on the turnpike and it says 75. That's the speed limit. That's set by the law. But we all know that you go 79 or 80, you're going to be fine, Right? Don't sit there and act like you don't do this. You're like. And and so we we all have this thing that adjusts and tweaks a little bit. And it's not that I want to get a ticket or I don't want to get a ticket. It's every now and then I go, but but it says 75. And my conscience begins to get me because I'm thinking, you know, I am I'm a Christian and and I probably should drive 75. Now I'm ruining some of your days right now, I know that. You're gonna be conflicted the next time you get on a turnpike and go, it's okay, I can go 80, they won't pull me over. But the reality is, every one of us have to live by our convictions. I won't judge you if you wanna go 90, nor will I pay your ticket. But I have no judgment of you, that's between you and God. You're not going to go to hell going 90 in a 75 or a 60. Now, you may to go to heaven prematurely, <laughs> but the reality is the maturing process is able to acknowledge what you're doing. You know you're doing it, and, and you're growing, and, and, you know, you've heard me say it before. When I was young, I raced. I started racing at Tulsa International Raceway when I was 16 without my dad's knowledge, I had a fast car, I paid for it, I did all those things, I liked driving fast, and whenever they started doing the school zone thing, because when I was a kid, there were no school flashing lights, every kid just danced around the traffic. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's a new day. I mean, we were expected as kids to grow up and know you don't run in front of a 4,000 pound vehicle. You just don't do that. Well, nowadays, kids are freelancing, and so we had to put up lights and school zone, 25 miles an hour. And when those first came out, I hated them. I thought, this is so stupid. I lived. I survived with nothing but a crosswalk. And, and we were taught, look both ways. <laughs> Duh. Kids nowadays, nah, don't look both ways. Just stroll, baby. <laughs> and so... I hated them. Now I, I stopped and, and went 25 and irritated from one sign to the other and, and just, oh, my. until I had kids. And then my understanding changed that I no longer went 25 so I wouldn't get a ticket. I started going 25 because I knew some kid's life might be in danger. Understanding. Maturing. We mature for different reasons. Some people say, well, I'm mature, I go 25, but I hate it. You're really not mature, you're just afraid. Maturing says, I understand, and I want to do it for the right reasons, and I want to do it to help people. And so we, we grow up and say, I'm no longer doing it because I'm supervised to carry money without spending it. If you spend money, get rid of, I mean today. Okay, today. Well, okay, moving on. (laughs) I'm, I'm really trying to grow up here. The true Christian never has to give up anything. Of course, I'm not speaking of sins. Follow me here very closely. But there are a lot of things that will give him up, they will go one by one. There will be no grief. It will be the way childish occupations are abandoned. I never had to give up playing with tops and marbles. I never had to come to the place where I said, oh, I am a big boy now, and big boys shouldn't play marbles. So I will make a great effort to give up playing marbles. It didn't happen that way. One day, I was playing marbles with a group of small boys, and some older boys came by, and they looked at me and said, hey, kid, can you field a ball? Sure I can, I replied with more vigor than accuracy. Well, they said, we are short a fielder. Get out there and see what you can do. I went out and was ready to play my head off to keep up with the older fellows. When it was my turn to bat, I was ready to swing till I burst and to run till I dropped. And do all of that, I could keep up with the bigger company I was in. And when the game was over and we older boys, as I then classed myself, walked down the street past the little fellows who were playing marbles. I did not go back to the marbles. I had graduated. I did not give up marbles marbles gave me up you see if you're eight years old and you had genes from when you were six you can't fit into those anymore they give you up as life goes on we realize there will be other things that will move us away from the things that would keep us from growing up and we need to realize that life is not about trying to prove to God that we're somebody or that we're all of that, and I don't do this anymore, and I don't do that anymore. As you start growing in God and you follow the Word of God, there will be things that will give you up. You'll no longer want to do them. You will see yourself differently. You'll see yourself as a, a person that is growing closer to God, walking away from elementary things and childlike things. Now, some people never get here because their security is found in the way they've always lived life. You can pretty easily, if you really take the time, mark where you're at this year and then look at next year, how you might respond to something. My response to crises is totally different today than it would have been 20 years ago. And, and that confuses some A-type people who, even are my age, who want me to really radically react to a wrong. And I just look and say, you know what, I'm going to give Jesus an opportunity to do something with this. But you need to do something now. If I needed to, God would instruct me to do something now. But right now, I feel like as a maturing Christian, I need to give God more space. And when I do, he gives me more grace. Grace to help, grace to empower, grace to look the other way. You say, well, I'll never look the other way. There are times in your life that you are not the judge and you are not the jury. You're not even in the courtroom. And so we have to be cautious if we're maturing to realize God is in charge. A life, a maturing life submitted to Christ is a life where growth causes things to not fit anymore. There are things you did when you were young just because everybody was doing them. There were things you did when you were young because you knew you were going to be criticized if you didn't. You were going to be mocked. You were going to be laughed at, and and you couldn't handle that, and there are things that you need to do uh, to say no. I was over the Zambezi River in Africa, and uh, there was a bungee jumping place off of this bridge, and... You know, the people doing it, and I'm sitting there because I'm a guy and I'm an A-type. And finally, I, I felt I almost felt this pressure, and I thought, first off, if you're going to bungee jump, don't do it in Africa. <laughs> there are no regulations to see if this thing works. They're going to figure it out one day when it snaps and go, well, that's over. You know, there's not somebody coming out there throwing a brick or 200 pounds off that bridge and, and saying, let's see if it works. Okay, you're certified for another year. No, no. If you've got a bungee cord and you got people stupid enough to jump, they're going to let you. The old me would have said, I'm going to do it just because I don't want anybody to judge me. Then I thought to myself, no, I'm the smart one here. Y'all jump all you want. I'll watch. If you splat, There's no telling how I'm going to react. I told you so. Empathy. I'm not sure. Stupid, dumb, shouldn't have done it. But we often do things not because we feel led by the Spirit to do them. We do them because of what other people are going to say or not say. You know you're maturing when other people don't motivate you or drive you to do something different than what you know in your heart to do. And this is where children have a hard time because in school, in the neighborhoods, whatever, kids are mean. And, And even your kids are mean sometimes. I just am trying to get a response. Because we oftentimes think our kids are flawless and perfect, but the reality is all children are growing up. And they're going to become who they become based on how we live life in front of them. Not the mandates that we issue not all the rules and principles and regulations though they will some of them will live by those but their reason for living by those needs to be made clear there are consequences for poor behavior and there are rewards and blessings for good behavior god still loves you if you have poor behavior but you're going to pay for that behavior whereas if you do the right things and when, it, when it's difficult, you do what you should do, you're going to find rewards in that. Now, maybe not in the moment, but long-term, you're going to. And the problem in our society today is everything's immediate. Everybody wants it now, and this is a challenge. And so, we, we're living in a day where it's even more important that we help everyone understand we're all still growing. So, we outgrow unforgiveness. Unforgiveness must give you up as you grow up. People say, well, I just can't forgive that. You can if you grow up. We outgrow bitterness. Bitterness must give us up as we grow up. So these are very critical. When we quit growing, the decisions become ours, and we never want to get rid of anything. Instead of saying the decisions are going to be in the hands of Jesus. Jesus. I think I could safely say probably in this room, people watching online, there are people that you will never forget, not because they were a blessing to you, but because they were the opposite. They were mean, they were cruel. And the hardest thing to do is forgive somebody who has hurt you. But when you understand what Jesus did, he forgave you, It should change everything if you are a maturing Christian, because quite frankly, I have done more in my life to Jesus than anybody has done to me, and yet I am forgiven. And I'm not, I haven't arrived. There are certain names when they come up, they sting. I had a moment with three pastors that I get with every year and have for the last 24 years, and a name came up in the conversation, and what I had to say didn't bless God or anybody else. This person absolutely tried to destroy my life and really was quite successful. His name came up, and I said, if he was in this room right now, I would knock him out. This is your pastor. and i had to look at these guys and say i'm sorry but right now that's what i'm feeling and i i i i'm in the process of forgiving we have not arrived i'm getting there i acknowledge i'm wrong i don't like that thought i don't like his name i don't like the thought i'm working on it i wish i didn't have to and it would be easier if that name hadn't come up, but it was a God pop quiz. And I got an F. (laughs) But guess what? I don't feel an ounce of guilt right now. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel shamed. I can share that with you, not because I'm proud of it, but to let you know, then I'll never quit just because that name is not as great as the name that saved my life and saved your life. So don't quit. Don't stop when you have those moments. Remember, you're not mature. You're maturing. And the minute you think you're mature, you will never move forward. I am moving forward Because I realize I'm not a mature Christian. I am a maturing Christian. I sure wish I was mature. But then again, I'd be rotten in about a day. (laughs) Because that's what ripe bananas do. They rot quickly. And so I have to realize that I am on a journey. I'm going to do better. And honestly, I'm sure the day will come when I'll come face to face with this guy. God help us all, and, and I know I won't do anything stupid, but my mind is going to be working the rest of my life to let things go, and, and that's what we do, and, and some of you are beating yourself up because you just can't seem to do it. You know what? That tells me that you have a heart. Your conscience is not seared because you still feel. That's a good thing. If you didn't feel anymore, that would concern me. But the fact that you know it's wrong, I know it's wrong, it encourages me to know I do care. I do know that these are feelings I don't want to have. And I am maturing to the point, I am better now than I was seven years ago when I would have taken his head off. And I mean to tell you, there would have been nothing to stop me. And I'm not saying that boastfully, but nor am I saying that under any shame whatsoever. And some of you may try to shame me and say, you can't think, think, think that the pastor. Well, you rotten banana. <laughs> Again, all I'm trying to do is keep this thing called Christianity real. Because we have made Christianity this this prize, you know, golden pot of gold at the end of a rainbow and nobody has ever found that pot of gold because it doesn't exist we will continue this journey until the day of Christ Jesus when he comes you will have issues in your mind thoughts in your heart that are not glorifying to him But you're not going to heaven because of your thoughts and your heart. You're going because your confession of faith in Christ. I can't do this without you. And I'm going to keep fighting the rest of my life to love you, obey you, care for you. I'm not spending the rest of my life trying to be perfect. I'm spending the rest of my life pursuing the perfection that you are. To live the life you want me to live. So, if you are a hardcore religious person, you hate me. If you're watching this as a religious person, please turn it off before, and don't tell anybody else to watch it. Because you'll destroy everybody because your friends are as religious as you. All right, now, yeah, because, I, again, I grew up in this religious thing. I, I, I just always tried to be perfect. And everybody reminded me when I wasn't because I never was. And they would continue to remind you. You are not even a Christian. How could, have you ever heard that line? How can you be a Christian and act that way? The same way as you, knucklehead. Only this is my moment. You're going to have your moment. I wish I was there, but I probably won't be when somebody tells you, you're calling yourself a Christian. I am born again, sold out to God. I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven if you are born again. You're not getting there because you were good or perfect. You're getting there because you acknowledged you weren't perfect. And that the only way you can access heaven is through Christ. Now, again, this is not a ticket for stupidity. You're not getting a pass. That's not what. The, but I am telling you, make sure that your pursuit is him. That your pursuit is not you being the type of person that everyone will be impressed with. Everyone's going to, I want to be like that. I want everybody to be like Jesus. God help you if you want to be like me. It won't be pretty. I have days just like you. We all have those days. But Jesus never had one of those days. So he is our pursuit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience. I thank you for all that you've extended to us on our worst days and our best days. You are our reason for living. You are our hope. God, I pray for those struggling and angry with themselves because they're not perfect. They're, they're angry because they, they still haven't given up some of the things they know that they should or want to give up. And as a result, they just quit. I pray for them today that they'd get back up and realize this is why you sent Jesus. Because we cannot, in our strength and power, live the life that we would like to live. Maybe even the life that you want us to live, but you knew we couldn't. So you gave your life so that we could have life. Not just life, but eternal life. I pray for people to find peace in the midst of everyday living. In the midst of their mistakes, their flaws, the difficulties the wrong behavior, the wrong actions. And eventually, the things that they've been trying to let go of will let go of them because they'll outgrow them. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray a prayer, salvation. Sinner's prayer, if you will. And uh, I used to pray this when I was sitting in pews Because I was so afraid that that I wouldn't go to heaven. I prayed him all the time and thinking that God wasn't sure about me. I knew I wasn't sure about me. But there's one thing I found out as I grew in God. God was very sure about me. And he still is. He's not sure about me because I'm good. He's sure about me because every day I acknowledge he is my savior. And I cannot be good. Bible says there's not one good, not, not even one but God is good. And today we're going to pray a prayer for those of you that say, I really want Jesus. I want help. I want to go to heaven. I want heaven in my life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. Put your name in there. It's not for us. This is for you. This is your first step in acknowledging I've given my life to Jesus. That's what this is about. And if you'll continue to watch online Uh, Follow me on Instagram, Facebook. Every day there's a scripture there to inspire you to live by. It's under Mark Anthony Crow. Correct. I'm not afraid of Mark Anthony. I hated it in the first grade because everybody said, where's Cleopatra and girls had cooties. So anyways, Mark Anthony Crow, and, and it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can podcast. You can get it all. Watch them, and maybe it'll help you hello this is pastor mark crow i just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online we hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you want to invite you to join us at mosaic church okc next week at 9 30 a.m and 11 a.m or join us online god bless you